Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Good morning. Good morning. And, of course, Mr. Peter Crable. Howdy. Howdy. All right, you can find me at R.W. Dodd on Twitter. I'm the only one of the three of us that has a thousand followers. <laughs> True. Well, congratulations. I know. And we, we were Most spe- of your followers are Russian bots. We, we were supposed to have a guest tonight that had 28,000 followers. That I, is I can't, a lot of followers. I, I can't figure out how. At the current rate I'm going, it would take me <laughs> 37 years. No, 746 <laughs> years. I calculated. What are you at now? Uh, I don't know. 120, maybe? Okay, you're, you're increasing. Dude, Ed's Not Dead. What's impressive. At Ed's Not Dead PC is at 500 followers, right, Mr. Siddons? At Sins? least, at least. All right, and you can reach Casey at CH Siddons and uh, at Peter Crable. It's good to be back, folks. Boys, it's good to see you. It's great to be back. Very it's, good. Yeah, our new sh- show format, which people seem to like with our interviews and our shows. <laughs> which Robbie totally understands how it works. Can you imagine that people are asking him? During his day-to-day talking with people, and they're like, how's the show going? And he's like, oh, it's going great. We have a new format. What's the format like? It's, it's you know, we, we it's record like, some I, stuff. Yeah. It's I like just release, know that we record some stuff. stuff. Okay, hold on. We record a lot of segments, and I don't really – it's very nonlinear now. Yes. We used to do, like, a show and yeah. one recording, yeah. and now Crable takes it home and does all kinds of funny stuff. Well, the, the behind-the-scenes is we used to do it. Twice a month. That's right. This is true. And now we only do it once, once a month, which has improved my quality of life. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's big one big session. All right. So, Sesh, so as they say, Mr. Krabs is our outcomes guy, and um, <laughs> he likes to follow how many downloads we're getting. Yes. And then we've also gotten some good show feedback lately. Yeah. Great uh, feedback. But first. The show tonight, since I don't really know what the format of the show is, <laughs> I think we are going to have a have a nice discussion about how badly shafted millennials have gotten over the last 10 years. Yes, the lost generation of right. lost wealth that will never be recovered. Yep. So we're going to talk about that, which doesn't have a lot to do with education, but we'll we'll find some education. There's some connections, I'm Yeah, sure. there's some connections. And then what else do we have, Mr. Krebs? Uh, Casey is going to lead us through a nice episode of Dear Betsy. Oh, uh, we're bringing it back. Do you hear the bears? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I, you know, DB is back. Yeah, we, we, we got a lot to. We, it's been a while, so we got we got a lot to talk we got about. A lot to cover with Miss Betsy. Betsy, and then we might do a quiz on mental health awareness since it's Mental Health Awareness Month. That's it's a short good. one. It's a short one. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay, um, and of course you can find our teacher tips that we'll be doing a new uh, segment of teacher tips as well. Yeah, and um, and we have an interview which uh, we haven't really figured out yet. So. <laughs> But it's going to be stay tuned. great. It's going to be. Awesome. I have an announcement. You do. Yes. Oh, okay, In a couple ahead. days, which will be the day that this is released. Yeah. We have a big birthday. Oh, <laughs> Sally O'Malley! Oh, look at you. <laughs> the big four O. Yeah. yeah. October party. What's no, Monday? The twenty second. Twenty second. Very good. He's sixty. What are you? Sixty <laughs> two. Do the do. Sixty two. There you go. I was waiting for that. All right. I have new dentures. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be a big day for for, for Doctor Bob. It will be a big day. Yeah. It is a big day. The big five zero. That's right. There's the, have you noticed this year that there are um, more people turning fifty than ever before? The, the, <laughs> no. Gen X is a small generation. Okay. Uh, and I now have Thankfully. I now have Casey on Sunday mornings texting me articles on the 
the height of grunge music. So that that <laughs> you sh- liked it. That, I did like it, but that, that shows that I'm 50 because now people are looking back on grunge That's from true. 25 years ago. It's yeah. like classic rock now. Um, yeah. yeah, and then the White Album is 50 years old. The, Be- the Beatles seminal album. It's amazing. Yeah, and so there's been lots of retrospectives on 1968 this year on the death of Bobby Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King, and the- so those all mm. happened the year I was born. So I was bound to turn out a little bit off. Correct. The thing that I like to think about is the distance between the White Album and now yeah. is the same distance as World War One and the White Album. Ooh. Oh. That's, look at Mr. Chris. Yeah, that's some research on that one. Yeah, so you're I just s- thought of it in my head. That's pretty good. World War One. Yeah. From the beginning of World War yeah, I mean, 1918. 1918. 1918. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I mean, and you're kind of like in wow. the, it's like pre-big band. It's really like, yeah. I don't want to say the dawn of recorded music, but really. It was. I mean, there was not a lot in terms you're, that's of. That's definitely pre-big band because yeah. my, my dad is 90 and I would say that big band was his era. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's all he lived for in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. That was yeah. the old days of the wax cylinder. I don't even know. What do you have in the 20s? That's a great question. What was the music in the 20s? The late teens and early 20s? Don't I know. don't Flappers. know. Don't know. I don't even know what that is. My dad refers <laughs> to, he, when he talks about big band music, he talks about Dixieland quite a bit. Uh, which was, I guess, from New Orleans, correct? Yeah, yeah. Which would be, been... which would be jazz, big band, yeah, kind of music. Yeah, like clarinet. Correct. And, yeah. yeah, Benny Goodman. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't big band per se. It was sm- smaller big band, right. if you will. Yeah, like four pieces, five pieces, stuff like that. All right. Well, good to know. Yeah, well, Mr. Okay. Craves just framed the 20th century for great, us. Great tangent. <laughs> okay. That was good. All right. So show feedback. Let's jump in. You want me to go first? Yes. All right. So uh, friend of the show, Ryan Harrigan. Uh, emailed us about our discussion on passion, which seemed to elicit a range of responses out there. Yeah, in the some passion. <laughs> Are you yawning? Sorry. <laughs> what the heck? What is wrong with you? Your eyes just got totally Man. glazed over. <laughs> when you started talking, I just started. Did really you bored. see that? Mr. I did. I, I did. Really it's concerning. Uh, that was Jeez. so weird. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. So Ryan says, uh, "Hey guys, I enjoyed the show this week." Some thoughts on the passion conversation. My philosophy on education is that everything starts with relationships. I'm ultra competitive. Some of my passion for teaching came from wanting my scores to be better than everyone in the school. That's one way to do it. There you go, Ryan. In schools with similar demographics and then the whole county. I took pride in proving kid doubters wrong. Ooh, I like that. Mm. Especially with specific kids that I was told don't belong in algebra in eighth grade or whatever class. I had so much trouble with teachers that didn't care about their scores. It reflects on how good I am and how passionate I am about that. I had to grade exams as soon as they were done, taking them so that I knew how we did, not just the kid, but the whole process that we put in place to help kids. And finally, if you see teaching as a nine-to-five job, you are not passionate. (laughs) That's a a tough statement ryan signs off by saying my two cents thanks ryan well first of all ryan thanks for the good two cents thanks for the feedback thanks for the listen to ed's not dead what do you guys think pretty good yeah and it you know and i i think in in retrospect and you know some of the stuff you wrote but just in in all of it i'm like well okay i I probably undersold the the element of passion but i really wanted to be contrarian During well, that the, during that segment, it's kind of the basis of our show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing I like but, about what Ryan Harrigan said is most everything that he talked about. The locus of control as a teacher was right there with him. Yes. In other words, it was all about what he what 
he was responsible for how kids did. Yeah, he was responsible for, sure. for their learning, yeah. for their outcomes. And so, you know, I mean, if you're if you have that sense of responsibility, you've got to have some passion. So, as a leader of a department, for example, if you are passionate, yes. if you are in the trenches with them and you are showing the type of success that you can have if you put in the right amount of work and the right the effective amount of work. Um I think it lets other people see that and do the same thing or or at least know that it's possible. I still stand by my statement that telling first year teachers that they need to be passionate is not helpful. I I think it's I, I think, think you it does, develop I, passion. I think it sets as barriers get, up. Get, right. Mm-hmm. I want more. I want a bigger tent. If, if we bring more people into if the if we tell tent. people that you need to not consider it, don't expect to get out at five o'clock. If we tell them, you know, you should expect to grade things at home every single day, you're probably going to push people out yeah, of there. Just lie to them, and then when they <laughs> when you get them in the door, yeah. then you give them the work. Right, that's right. It's totally fine. <laughs> All right, well, I'm okay with that. what else? What else you got? Thank you, Ryan, for tuning in. Dead's not dead. Keep the feedback coming. Keep emailing us. Yeah, keep emailing us. <laughs> Casey, yeah. do you have a couple? Uh, yeah. Okay, are you are you okay? Do you, do you specifically remember what I said? I do. Hey, Casey, well, I don't have any other. Feedback. Pull up the comments on Twitter. <laughs> Dear Lord, what? I said you always seem to be so surprised. Millennial, by, by when we ask you for comments, I, he was. We Kate. said that we were each going to do a that. piece of show feedback. I didn't get any I, feedback. I went first. Oh, okay, but then why didn't you say that? I, d- I, I just thought I'm, you were talking about the feedback that both of you guys had. Okay. All right, okay. Mr. Krabs, go ahead. Well, we did. <laughs> we're killing the show today. <laughs> we did get, is... we did get a piece of feedback, and I don't know who it's from on iTunes, <laughs> as we continue to get more and more five star reviews. Um, anyhow, the this person, I assume it's a parent, um, said that with November coming up, and November typically being parent teacher conferences, mm-hmm. um, that we should do a piece on what to expect. One on what parents should expect from parent-teacher conferences, which I thought was a pretty stellar idea. So I think for teacher tips tonight, yes, we are going to be exploring that. I don't know if it's a teacher tip, but I think it's good if teachers know what parents want to hear. So That's that right. All the all the customers are happy. Was that feedback from Cynthia Simonson online? I, no, no, that was on iTunes. That was just a comment okay. that somebody left on iTunes okay. um, right. in the last couple of weeks. I I just happened to check. I was like, I wonder how many reviews we have, and there was a new comment, and that was. Cool. Yeah, that was it. Very, very good. Okay. Um, so I did find feedback. <laughs> okay, good. All right. And now I, did, I didn't. I, I I apologize for not having my Casey. It's okay. Myself together. You, okay. you just have one job. <laughs> so <laughs> to book I, I, guests, you know and what? Do feedback. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Anyway, uh, Lynn Harris. Oh, Lynn Harris, friend of the show, friend of the show, friend of the pod. Yep. Uh, Crable came up with this great poem. It said, roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so is Ed's not dead. That was good. And so he tweeted that out. Right. And she didn't like the tweet. She said it was cringeworthy. The poetry was cringeworthy. She was a little little cold about that. It was. Uh, But she said that our podcast is a great thought-provoking listen if you care about education and that uh, she thinks it's – she considers it a must-listen, which is awesome. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lynn Harris. Thank you, Lynn. Lynn Lynn Harris, who is a – Devoted, tireless advocate of public education, um, and truly lives every day. The Ed's not dead um, because she is a major supporter of what teacher schools, principals mm-hmm. do. So, mm-hmm. thank That's you, Lynn. Right. All right, um, and thanks for Cynthia Simon's uh, feedback. Cynthia, we really actually 
don't know what you what you said, uh, but it's in the show notes. Craig, no, uh, Cynthia tweeted us. Yeah. Oh, what did she say? Well, okay. I, well, after one of our, well, you just went ahead and did it. Okay. Go after ahead. one of our uh, discussion, I don't know if it was after one of our discussions, but I talked about calling as many parents as you could at the beginning of the year. Right. Yes. And she talked about. She tweeted us and said, "A teacher called me this week in 14 years, and she had four oh, kids go through the system with nice. 150 teachers." First time a call simply to say, quote, I just wanted to let you know I like having your child in class. And she said, what an amazing moment for me and my child. Very nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yep, that's good stuff. So, All right. Well, that's a, that's a great strategy. And you were uh, – you, you did that strategy all the time as yeah. a teacher. And it yeah. take, takes a lot of time, but it, yeah. it pays out in dividends. I have parents that I run into now that still remember me yep. because of that, I think. I remember you doing yeah. it. All right, uh, so keep listening to the show. Spread the word about Ed's Not Dead. Thanks, folks, for the feedback. Send it in to us via Twitter, email. We'll take it any way we can get it. We'll read it online and make sure you're telling people about the show. All right, so for all our millennial listeners out there, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sittens, are you ready? I'm so excited. This is probably a really great article about how millennials are going to take over the world and doing great things, right? Yeah. Mm, that and with avocado toast? They, they may do that, but they're going to not they're going to have empty pockets when they do it. <laughs> well, you can't take it with you, can you? Right. You cannot. So here we go. Hillary uh, Hoffawer. Um, <laughs> I, I, Hillary. What is it? <laughs> Hillary Hoffawer. Hoffawer? Hoffawer. Hoffawer. Okay. There's, I had a little moment there. Okay. <laughs> I, I, say it for me, Mr. Graves. I, I, I don't know. Hoffawer? Okay. okay. I think Hoffawer is better Hoffauer. than my Hoffawer. Hoffawer. Uh, she has uh, written an article titled The Lost Generation of Millennials Born in the 1980s May Never Be as Rich as Their Parents. Uh, so let me l- read you a little, a little, little excerpt from her article here. As of 2016, people born in this decade in the 80s had wealth levels 34% below where they would ha- most likely have been if the financial crisis hadn't occurred. She's referring to the 2008 worldwide financial meltdown. Right. Those born in the 1970s had wealth levels 18% under where they would have been, and the wealth levels of people born in the 1960s, that would be me, hmm. uh, were 11%. So you can see, uh, Mr. Siddons, you're 34% born in the 80s, <laughs> below where, th- where, where you should be compared to my 11%. So basically, the uh, Great Recession mm-hmm. of the early 2000s inflicted, in her words, deep and widespread losses of income and wealth on the typical American family. So uh, I'm just kind cur- of a problem. Yeah, it is kind of a problem. So you're a millennial, Mister yep. Mister Crable. You live somewhere between Gen X and and millennialhood. Um, so you you probably felt this a little bit too. We all felt the the '08 recession. But um, how do you think uh, that has played out in your generation? And do you see residual damage from it, or do you see your generation having bounced back and and um, Finding ways to compensate. I think I think millennials get a bad rap for a lot of things, and they the the, the pundits generalize what they think they know about millennials. But what, from what I've read, there's a lot of people that will say that folks who are millennials, since they grew up in the Great Recession or came to an adulthood in the Great Recession, are actually pr- 
pretty frugal overall with their money oh, and are, no, are much more planned. No doubt about um, that. Than my generation. Well, than a lot of generations that came before us. Yeah. And a lot of that came from the Great Recession, but I think it came from maybe lessons from the parents who maybe didn't have a lot of money or are teaching their kids how to use money better. I don't know. But I think um, in spite of this bad news, there are some connections to the teaching world in that I wonder if... I wonder if it will prevent more people from entering the teaching force or what does that look like for how it impacts the teaching force nice over 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 time. And I pulled up an article that I, we can talk about after Crable regrets ever me calling him a millennial. <laughs> no, and I I put this article out there. Just, I thought it was interesting, but it, as I told you guys before the show, it's like I didn't really have any questions or like specific things to talk about but i i think the one thing that kind of came to mind <laughs> such great support for our, <laughs> for our topic. it's a good well, no, article it's, yeah, i want to throw a cog in the wheel it is a good article but i was kind of like all right how does this relate to ed's not dead but i think as i thought about it you know i thought well does it matter and so i think schools have kind of always played the role of one of the selling points of school has been access to upward and social mobility and i still think that is the case However, I wonder if because of this, that will start to change at all. Because I know like during my parents' generation, I'm not sure about you, Robbie, during your generation, I feel like there was some sort of, whether it was self-inflicted or societal pressure to do better than your parents. Mm -hmm. And that everything that your parents had done, they sacrificed for you. Mm -hmm. But now I think we're kind of looking at an age where you know, I don't want to say like the 80s was the height of like capitalism and excesses and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, maybe it did reach an apex or a zenith. And maybe now moving forward, instead of schools being the birthplace of upward social mobility solely for wealth gain, you know, maybe it's more can look back to like knowledge. I don't want to say for knowledge sake, but maybe a little bit more well-rounded and a, lit, a little bit less focused on material gain and mm. salaries and positions. And I know that's at least partially true because one of the hallmarks of millennials is kind of like switching jobs right. frequently and looking for satisfaction in different places and and kind of you know, going along that route. So, and, I, and I think if you find, if you can be successful in teaching, you will find satisfaction in that, in the particular career. Yeah. Um, I was... Let me let me just say one other thing. <laughs> uh, I I I wonder um, to your point, Mr. Craves, whether I mean it's always been disputed, and I think when we had Zaretta Hammond on, we talked about whether education is the great equalizer or not. Uh, I, I mean, some data I think shows that it it, it can be, um, and is a source of of upward mobility. Um, but then I think some some data shows that it's not. Uh, I just I just worry now with all the topics that we've covered from resegregation to um, the lack of political will to try to create more equity in schools that it will be hard for education to be an equalizer when when the when when the social structure of the country is so stratified and 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 wealth inequality has increased um, and, and millennials I, have come of age in that, in that particular it, environment ex- exactly and yeah. i think it's formed a lot of our political and social views yes. as a as a block and I, I pulled up this article that i thought would would bring up an interesting thought 
or an interesting conversation for us. And uh, they did the, there was a 2011 Pew Research Center survey revealed trends in millennials' career perception of the and. and of the 808 18 to 34 year olds surveyed, only 30% view their current job as a career. In light of these findings, the education world must adapt to the career habits of millennial teachers, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. and how we view the actual career. Um, and, and it talks about some shifts, and I'll list them here. In 2008, the most common teacher was a first year teacher. In 1987, the most common teacher had 15 years of experience. Today, today, more than 200,000 te- new teachers begin each year. 25 years ago, 65,000 new teachers began each year. Mm-hmm. Of the new teachers entering the workforce, 65% are recent college graduates. Mm-hmm. So it's just an, an interesting segue in terms of, obviously, the, the, the financial aspect of, of millennials' lives are troubling they'll probably have to work a lot longer but there is some security in in the in the teaching force if we can get people to come feel empowered and and actually stay but 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 i wonder if millennials when they think of the 20 the the 2008 crash um i'll ask you i mean if i'm a if i'm a millennial which i'm not i'm not exactly going to trust that an entitlement uh, a pension is going to be there waiting for me when I experience getting out of college and watching the whole global financial system virtually melt down I mean I think there's uh, a healthy dose of cynicism that's, yeah, involved exactly. in yeah. your early career yeah for sure right yeah, yeah. and I think and so as, I, as you're talking I'm, I, so maybe the connection here is all right so let's say millennials worldview is shaped by coming of age as a professional during this. Mm-hmm. This epic meltdown where lots of bad stuff happened. Now, one way, you know, millennials in general at that time, 2008, didn't have like all this accumulated wealth that like mm-hmm. melted away. Right. But they, I'm, yeah, they were affected in other ways. But as you were talking about teachers. By the way, I was 40. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, oh, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> Since we're counting in, 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 in the decades of the eights. Yeah. 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 So 2008 was not, gr- not a great time for me. So if we know that millennials you know, look for satisfaction in different places, in different ways. And, and, um, you know, how does teaching and education in general reflect that? How are we adapting our structures? How are we adapting what we ask teachers so that you can kind of keep them engaged Mm -hmm. and keep them interested because they're going to get bored and you don't want to, you know, you don't, there's nothing worse than having investing a couple of years and losing somebody to something else. Like ah, I'm gonna try something else. Oh, well, we and, and, and it, the, it the age with of, us when we work together, big time. Yeah. yeah, in the age of data, where we have data at our fingertips, if they see a situation that continue, continuously shows lack of performance or lack of results, I would imagine they would become disengaged. Yeah, I also wonder what what millennials think of um, unions. And what their take is on organized labor and and the intersection of organized labor with teaching as a profession. Mm. I've always been curious. I mean, I I have a sense of what older generations think of that, but I wonder if millennials see that as something that helps them or or would attract them to education or 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 push them away. I don't don't know. I don't know. I mean, nationally, we know that organized labor has been on decline, in decline. Um, for a couple of decades now, yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, in the in the public sectors, it's starting to to with our our Supreme Court case, right? Yeah, yeah. That was Janus. Janus. That was another one of. I our, thought it was a soft J. 
Janus. 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 Okay. I, I mean, my my guess would be they have a a dimmer view, and I this is a total another cynical kind of thing, maybe a little bit. Well, just because I'd say more ambivalence. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like in and not in a confrontational way, but sort of like I don't know, like maybe their parents weren't in unions and they didn't grow up around unions, and so just I don't know what do unions do, and yeah, just kind of show me, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if it was such, I guess if it was such a hot button issue, then. You know, maybe it would may make its way into the electorate, and you'd see more politicians elected who are like staunchly pro-union. Right. right. And not to say that there isn't intersection between unions and politics and all that, but you know, I just wonder. You know, as you said, nationwide, as it's kind of unions have been a little bit on the decline. Right. If that's you know, millennials are kind of like, um, yeah, let's just see what happens. Well, the <laughs> thing that we do know about millennials, I think. Well, mm. I totally just generalized it. I, <laughs> I mean, we're we're doing we're doing a lot of generalizations. Well, we, well, we do yeah. know about we're, all of them. But no, talking. what you said, it's one of the strengths of millennials. They is like that small dogs. When you said show me, uh, you've got to show millennials the value in something. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the strengths of the generation. I think is they need to know the why. Yeah. Um, yep. They read the fine print. They do their homework. They're great. I think filters of information, way better than my latchkey generation, <laughs> the generation, the disaffected generation X, <laughs> the um, Apple Terms of Service generation yeah, X. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, I guess we will follow this ten years from now. We'll I'll, see where we are. I'll, I'll be sixty. You guys will be in the during the next recession. Yep. During the yeah. That's coming. It's on its way. Yeah, I'm going to have all... it's coming next year. It'll happen at some point. I'm going to have all bonds by that point. Yeah, well, we'll be safe. I'm going to have gold and silver. Gold. I I hear (laughs) this on the conservative talk radio shows. Buy gold and silver. Buy gold. I've been been investing in platinum. Very nice. Big platinum records. I'm going to invest in rubber next. Ooh. Yeah. That's good. Just go old school. That is really good. All right. We're going to do Dear Betsy when we come back. Welcome back to episode three, season two, I like saying that, of Gee. Ed's Not Dead. I'm here with my co-hosts again, Mr. Krabs and Mr. Siddons. Yep. Good morning. All right. So it is time to come back, bring back a fan favorite of the show. It's been too long. It has been too long. It is a an episode that I think we created right out of the gate, a segment yeah. we created right <laughs> out of the gate, which is Dear Betsy. Cue the bears. Dear Betsy. Uh, and it has usually been led by Mr. Siddons. Uh, he has a special affinity or affect- <laughs> I finally got my stuff together tonight. <laughs> affection. Um, in, in season two of Ed's Not Dead, just for our, our audience, we've been much less political because we've just kind of grown cynical and we don't talk <laughs> politics as much. But Betsy always has some good educational nuggets for us so this without, isn't political without further ado okay no, good. we're just, we're, just gonna, we're talking policy we're talking yeah. we're education talking policy and a policy that affects teachers and students okay yeah. well go across the board what do we have so in, i have in three the articles that I, I wanted to bring up to you all and okay. see what your thoughts are and we'll, we'll we'll go we'll figure out what you want to talk about first the first one is uh, from cnn judge unblocks obama rule on student debt relief after delays by devos some alliteration there. An Obama-era rule designed to help students cheated by for-profit colleges get relief on their education debt finally took effect Tuesday after efforts by the Trump administration to block it. 
How do you feel? Feeling well, that, good that, about that first one? Well, the, the main connection I have for it, it was one of our first segments in our first season. Yeah, of so Ed, I think of we talked about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked yeah. about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that was one of the first things that uh, Secretary DeVos did right out of the gate, which was try to block that policy. Because Obama wrote it on the way out. And so what I'm hearing you say is that it's been blocked all the way up until this point, and now a judge has said... Pay those students. Pay, mm-hmm. pay those kids pay them back. ripped off. Yes, completely. Okay. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and I... The the problem, because I can I can hear people being like, well, they let's say they declare bankruptcy, right? You know, bankruptcy protects you from essentially your creditors, which in this case is essentially students. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the danger of straight up for profit mixing with education is like, well, it's there is another it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a public good in in some sense. I right. don't know how much, but you can't just treat it like a straight up. Yeah corporation that's right. just selling widgets. It, it's pretty interesting that nearly half the states plus the District of Columbia and uh attorneys general from 18 states and 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 DC sued DeVos last year over her decision to block the rule now known as the Bar Defense to Repayment Act. <laughs> um so it seems to me that almost half the country as far as uh states felt like that this was something that needed to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah. Anyway. So, so it is a lesson, too, that sometimes the states have to remind the Fed mm-hmm. um, what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Your taxpayer dollars at work, people. Okay. Betsy DeVos's, dear Betsy's uh, security detail, projected to cost up to $7.7 million during the next year. The Marshall Service said the final cost of protection for DeVos in fiscal 2018 was $6.79 million. That's more than the $6.5 more million, $5.4 million officials estimated last year for the, uh, as the maximum for fiscal 2018, which the Education Department at that time deemed a, quote, high watermark that the agency didn't plan to exceed. An agreement between the Ed Department and the Marshall Service governing DeVos's protective detail was just renewed for fiscal 2019 and began on Monday. Why can't Eric Prince Blackwater? Why can't he just give her a, well, she a now, detail? She now uh-huh. pay, uh-huh. she now pays for the marshals to travel on her own private plane and she foots the bill. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh. I just saw that. Oh, okay. I have a hard time getting too upset about somebody. Getting, I also I don't know I, I, mean, I don't know how much security details cost. Yeah. So the what was the dude the EPA guy, Scott Scott Pruitt. Pruitt. Yeah. His part of his his was excessive cost, but I don't remember the number and the, and the soundproof room. Yeah, well, the, associated the, with that. The key for this one is DeVos's security details provided around the clock by the Marshals Service, which is highly unusual. Uh, the past four education secretaries have been protected by the Ed Department's own small security force, oh, not okay. related to the Secret Service. Ah, interesting. Okay. And sometimes, often, it would be retired Secret Service agents who are working in that small security yeah, force. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So. She's very afraid of the public school. It's a lot of money, either way. <laughs> okay, now <laughs> she's not afraid. She's afraid of public school students. That's not it. <laughs> most of the country. Most she of wrote a blog kids. about it, Robbie. Don't you know that? She did. She's afraid of those people that work for the system. <laughs> there is no system. There is no system. All right. Anywho, so that was a, another one. Um, uh, we we need we need our government officials to be safe. We do need, of course, we do. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, anyway, um, last one, but certainly not least, is my favorite. Least, <laughs> least. Uh, Betsy DeVos tells students not to be mean on Twitter, and a student responded in kind. 
what about your boss? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Whose name will go unmentioned. Um, but, you know. I mean, he is the president. You can name him. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> President Trump I'll, I'll is let you, I'll let you. I'll let you. His, I'll let you, uh, his name shall remain rain, nameless. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. So anyway, so what about on, uh, at a recent town hall in the Hall National Constitution Center? DeVos warned a crowd of kids ranging from elementary to college age students not to quote be nasty when messaging on Twitter. DeVos was there to quote talk about the First Amendment as part of the center's annual Constitution Day commemorating the 231st anniversary of the signing of the U.S. Constitution. Quote, It is easy to be nasty hiding behind screens and Twitter handles, she said. It's not so easy face-to-face. That is true. Um, <laughs> it's true. It is true. It is true. In a vacuum, what uh, okay. she said is totally okay. true. You're right. You're right. So You're right. everybody should be nicer on Twitter. Yes, we should be nicer on Twitter. Do you think Twitter has made the political divisiveness in the country worse? I think Facebook has done that. And but Twitter, not Twitter? I think Twitter has has participated in it, but Facebook is something that more people are involved in and has caused people to be... Uh, you kind of go into your little bubble. I Facebook? Think, yeah, absolutely. I think the internet is going to be the downfall of America. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was talking to a friend of mine about it. Jeez. Remember, that, is, remember those, you, that is really dark. Oh, it's going to destroy humankind. I think Facebook's going to be the downfall of democracy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Robbie, thoughts? What do you think? You can be you, you, not repetitive. You can bring it back to uh, you know the topic at hand. I was just thinking about which of the social media platforms is the most onerous. And I think, I think, I think Twitter takes the, the cake. Yeah, people. I don't. He's like. He seems to think that people don't say terrible things. No, no, no. I, I totally do. I'm just saying that Facebook is. Maybe I mean, there more, is a, more of a more close circle. Or, it's more comprehensive about telling longer stories and being mm-hmm. okay. Going, but, but but there's a there's a phrase called a Twitter war. There's yes. nothing called. There's yes. no Facebook war. Twitter war just sounds better. Yeah. No, people have Twitter wars. They repeatedly. Yes. I mean, you you if you look at. Online publications, a lot of what they'll show in certain articles are screenshots sure. of Twitter exchanges. Where I mean, do most people get their news? Twitter. Where do, where, Twitter. No, Facebook. Oh, oh really? A, a large, a, a significant I, amount of people get their news from Facebook. I think a lot of people follow the, their feed on. More Twitter. More people are on Facebook than Twitter. I, be, I believe. That. First of all, I believe. That. Second of all, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, it's a sizable percentage of people that get their news solely from Facebook. I believe it. And then, you know, your friend Hence shares the it downfall and... of society. Correct. Here correct. We go. Yep. Yep. My point stands. <laughs> but we haven't we haven't come to a conclusion about which is the most onerous. Onerous. Well, that's that's platform. a that's a debate for another show, I think. I think I'm right that I like Twitter. But I see I've seen you get a little bit spicy on Twitter, Mr. I've, Sid. I've taken s- a step back. I will Thank say in my own much. experience, I've seen people be go more in depth and these aren't like important people they're just whoever on twitter you know or on facebook there's more nasty back and forth that i've seen on facebook than on twitter but i understand really yeah maybe i just don't follow the right people on twitter or i'm not sure okay maybe my network on facebook branches out to somewhere it doesn't on twitter so 
With over 1 billion users worldwide, Facebook tends to appeal to adults with 40% of its users over the age of 35. Twitter has... It's the, it's the geezer platform. It's the geezers. It's the Generation X and boomers. Okay. Yeah, Twitter, has over, Twitter has over 271 million active users. Oh, wow. That's like not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Crazy. Not even close. All right. Yeah, I mean, you'll find a lot of people that don't have Twitter accounts still. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think My dad all- says to me... I don't know how to use Twitter. Will you tell your dad to get a get an icon for Twitter? He doesn't. He doesn't. Oh, he, he doesn't know how to use it. I, I want. I want Jim to have not just an icon, but like. Uh, I w- I'm envisioning a comic book version of himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, where yeah, you yeah, take a yeah, picture yeah, and yeah. like it's turned into a comic book character. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want for your dad. I like. I Can like, we make that happen? I like how how Jim will like Casey will post something on to, on Twitter. It just happened the other day. He and just he, retweeted it. I know he did. It was a little. He's a little late. Though. A little late. He a little sleep at the switch. A little it takes late. him a while to get to it. It does. Oh, and, what's he do? I, he just, well, he just, oh, just, he goes, just retweets it. Yeah, okay. he's just, right. yeah. He's only done Twitter like twice. I'd like to see him make fun of his son. On Twitter. <laughs> that, would be, that would be so good. Troll me. Casey's head like to troll would you. explode. <laughs> All right. So, is that anything else for for dear Betsy? I I can't. I'm done. You're done. I'm I'm good. Okay. I'm I, good. I, I, it was a good 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 run back on dear Betsy. Yeah. What would you say would First be one of the, the most important? So, there's a lot of stuff in the news lately about a lot of things that we won't get into about yeah. certain people. Stuff about things. Stuff about things. Right. Yeah. Uh, of those, of all the, if you search for Betsy DeVos, all her news is kind of getting. Push below the fold. Yeah, it has. That's true. So we got to bring it back. Yeah, I like we got to bring it up above the fold. We got to bring will. Ed Policy back where it belongs I, on I, the I, front page right. of the I, section D. That's what we're doing. Well, I do think it's worth noting that Ed Policy and Ed in general, um, we may need to. I think we're going to have to confront this. Has seemed to hadn't been a lot of oomph out there lately in the last in the last six months or so. No, We're in a down it's, it's, cycle. There's I not think that's not purposeful. in the yeah. I think it's purposeful. Uh, purposeful? I do. I think it's I think it's purposeful because if you think about it, the the goal of the education department currently under Betsy DeVos is to return the power to states. That's right? So, therefore, the the news would be disparate. It would be state by state maybe or and and in that sense, you know, we're not going to find out a lot about the federal policy because they're trying to end them or, or do, diminish them. Do less. Do less. Make news by not doing something. Well, they're correct. Got, they're not really news. No, we're not going to make news because yeah. we don't want news. We're not going to put forward big policies. Correct. They're definitely doing less. Um, Some, I, do, I do think it's interesting that that the state that we live in, Maryland, is going to discontinue giving the park. Yeah. And at some point on the show, I think we need to talk about the swan song of Common Core. Wow. And, oh, and, and, geez, and, already? And, and, the, and the park movement. I think we're there. I think mm-hmm. we're almost there. We're, I, so we're going to be... The, the, I'm going to sound so I think stupid. The, Vanguard is the front, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. The tip of the spear. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be the Vanguard of talking yeah, about... I, no, I, I mean, aren't we there? Uh, yeah, we... I, th- I, I think... I think we should start talking about it. So does when anybody it, when even... It happens, do, can you we even... Can be, Soothsayers, can you, know? you even get a Common Core hater mad about Common Core anymore? No, no. they don't even no. care. And no. I, they don't care. I think it's I think it's in its death throes across the country. Wow. I don't think even people talk about it anymore. So I think at some point we need to. Yeah, there's there's a decade here of Ed policy that really began with 
the the development of Common Core and the Obama administration and race to the top that now I think it is is, is going is out. going out with a whimper. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So let's, let's do a of, segment on one that. of my substitutes back in the day called it the Communist Core. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing I actually, <laughs> if anybody out there can provide us with a synopsis. <laughs> Um, Developed by chambers of commerce across the <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally grassroots movement <laughs> yeah uh, is one thing that at policy wise that has been a bunch in the news has to do with um, the repealing of some Obama era regulations regarding sexual misconduct at colleges and universities mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and something about the rights of the accused versus the accuser yeah, and absolutely in general I know. That they want to give more rights to the accused, but I yeah. have not. To me, I have not really done any reading or research right. on it. Future so somebody could just summarize that for us and just yeah. tell mm. us what what to think. That'd well, be helpful. I, I I think it's a great topic too because um, I think we after the Kavanaugh hearings, I think there's oh a, yeah, I think there there is a window germane. to talk about sexual assault and substance abuse in um, with teens, yeah, in schools, yeah, uh, that would be would be ripe. You know, yeah, a lot of opportunities, yeah, for us, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, I think that does it, boys. Crable's checking the clock, yeah, that usually is the signal that we are done, yeah. All right, so folks, thanks for tuning in. As always, send show feedback to any of the three of us at rw. at Peter Crable at ch siddons or of course at Ed's Not Dead PC. You can find us on Facebook. At Ed's Not Dead Facebook. <laughs> Back, backslash. Backslash. HTTP colon slash. That's all I could come up with. Ed's Not Dead dot com. Come on, man. Yeah, Ed's Not Dead. I was doing great, and then I just ran out of steam. Yeah, and spread the word about the show, boys. Last words. It's been fun. Great real. Great time. It's been real fun. All right. When we come back next episode, we'll we will have moved Mr. Grable through his midlife crisis. Thank you, <laughs> All right. and I'll be I'll be in my fifties. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, folks. <laughs>